Struggling to keep track of your story and world? Archivos is for you! More intuitive than a wiki, more extensible than Scrivener, Archivos builds your story bible into your personal, always-on tactical display. Graphical relationship charting, continuity tools, this thing has it all, with bonus options for fan engagement and real-time collaboration. Archivos. Story world management done right www.archivos.digital. That's www.archivos.digital. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 1021. Today we hear once again from Simon, who asks... A book that has stuck with me for years is The Day of the Jackal, and in particular, how I was rooting for the bad guy and the detective, even though they were pitted against each other. I wanted them both to succeed, impossible as that was, and I was still rooting for the jackal even as his darker side came out. I'd love to hear your thoughts on why it managed that so well, and lessons we could learn from it. Well, I'm going to have to go on first principles here, because I haven't read Day of the Jackal since I was about 12 years old, and I don't remember it very well. Um, Frederick Forsyth, 1981, I think it was. Uh, it's a biopic about a chase for an international terrorist named Carlos the Jackal, who was a real terrorist at the time, who was at large, by the way, um, and wasn't caught, I think, until the mid-1990s. Uh, French revolutionary type, if I remember correctly. Anyway, um, the way that you write these unlikable but compelling characters is they have to have at their core, and this is true for good villains as well, but you tweak the mix a bit to get antiheroes, which Carlos was, if my memory serves me correctly, is that... Good villains and good antiheroes have, at their core, at least two incredibly alluring virtues that tie to what Nietzsche called the spirit of vitality. They're the things that make you feel alive. That's what vitality is. It's that experience of being alive in the moment, moment to moment. It's the experience of purpose and being driven Really good villains and really good antiheroes have at least two important virtues, and those virtues are courage and conviction. Very hard to do a genuinely cynical antihero or villain and have them be compelling. This is why Bond villains are so boring. And Bond villains um, in the films are almost always boring. In the books, they're less boring because they're always uh, disfigured. They've always got histories of incredible trauma that they're fighting against and rising up above. And it's quite clear that in their evil, they're sort of the archetype of the paragon of a hero gone wrong. You don't get that much in the films. In the films, they're just the bad guy. They're the head of the evil organization. And they play little games with the... Um, with with the protagonist, but they're not usually all that interesting as people. In the books, it's a different story. 
Courage is important because courage is the one virtue without which all other virtues are facile. If you love somebody but you don't have courage, then you don't really love them all that much because you're too much of a coward to come through for them in a pinch. If you're a patriot but you're not going to go out and defend your country, then you're not a patriot, you're just a jingoist. If you're an investigative reporter who likes exposing the big bad guys, but you don't have the courage to actually go in there on the ground and risk being caught, then you're not an investigative reporter, you're just a talking head on the news. And you may have loud opinions, but there's nothing about you that's actually all that interesting except your voice and your face. The other interesting thing about courage is that it is a virtue that on its own, unmarried to other virtues, very quickly and easily becomes monstrous. Bravery in the service of Stalin and bravery in the service of, say, um, a, one of the units that stormed the beach at Omaha, they are both bravery, but one of them makes you a monster and the other one makes you a hero, according to the values of our civilization and our audience. Now, of course, if you're writing from the Stalinist point of view, that could be a little different. But Attila the Hun, or Genghis Khan, had tremendous courage. But Genghis Khan's central mission in life was literally to rape all the women in the world and impregnate them so he would become the father of the human race. And he was pretty damn successful with that. By the way, something like 6% of all humans alive today are descended from Genghis Khan because he was charismatic and courageous and managed to whip up a horde of bored Central Asian horsemen to go out and rape and pillage. And they burned across Eurasia with tremendous speed, such speed that they formed the largest land empire in history, and it lasted for about half a generation after Genghis Khan died before it completely collapsed. Because he didn't care about the empire, he cared about his genetic legacy. So, courage is what you need to make a compelling character. Hero, or villain, or anti-hero. The other thing that can make, or that you need to make especially compelling anti-hero also really helps with a compelling victim. Not necessary for a compelling hero, because your hero is sympathetic for other reasons, is conviction. They must be convinced of the rightness of their cause, no matter how wrong it is. They must be convinced of the rightness of their cause or their point of view. The anti-hero in my um, books, which started podcasting with Predestination and that I'm now working on as my big series that I keep referring to, the anti-hero in the lead is Joss Kyle, and his personal conviction is that he deserves to survive regardless of how much, can, how much chaos he causes. And he's one of these people whom chaos follows even when he doesn't cause it on purpose. By most measures, the universe might be a better place, and it certainly would be a quieter place if he were to die. But he's a consummate survivor, utterly convinced of his own right to survive regardless of what it costs. And he finds himself from time to time on what the reader would believe is the right side of history, which makes him a very complicated and uncomfortable hero to admire which is one of the reasons I have so much fun writing him. 
if I remember correctly, Carlos the Jackal in Day of the Jackal is this kind of character. He's a revolutionary who is convinced of the rightness of his cause, like many left-wing revolutionary terrorists in the mid-20th century were. And that makes him really, really interesting. It makes you willing to forgive a lot of the awful things he does, because, of course, heroes sometimes do awful things in the service of heroism. And he embodies all the great characteristics of a hero. He just embodies none of the scruples. And it's that lack of scruples that moves him from the camp of hero to villain. And the dance between him and the cop hunting him is each of them, they're very good, if I remember correctly, they're very good mirrors of each other. So in, in the cat and mouse game they play, they're each dancing with their shadow selves. Carlos is who the hero might become. If he, w if he turned the wrong way. And the hero is who Carlos might have been if he had had a different path open to him when he was younger. And because they have those virtues in common, they become this dyad, this mythical dyad in your head. And for either of them to win, then both of them must lose because it's a zero-sum competition. If Carlos loses... The hero wins at his mission, but he loses that dark mirror. And if Carlos wins, the hero will lose at his mission, but Carlos will lose that standard against which he can measure himself, that standard of competition. Both of these characters need each other to exist in a literary sense. And the annihilation of one is the annihilation of both and of the story. And... That's what great villains and great anti-heroes have that makes you admire them and root for them even when you want them to lose. Because their dark mirroring of the hero sets up this Manichaean duality that's a yin-yang kind of balance of your literary universe. And for one to lose, the other must, in some sense, die. And when you can pull that off, you've got something really special that will hold your readers. Hope that helps. Thanks for the question, and I'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty McKeon and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't...